Hi everybody, this is the Fish and Grits Podcast. Hi everybody. Hi. Welcome to the Fish and Grits Podcast episode mm, 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 14. Mm, 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 wow, mm, we almost mm. at the 20, almost at the 20 episode mark. We show a party. Damn, we've been doing this for, for a while. Mm, 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 mm. All right. We have been doing this for a while. But, um, All right, best friend. Let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, we're just gonna jump let's into see, it because we got a lot. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. You got way more energy than me right now. I want to slap myself. <laughs> okay. You can go ahead and start with uh, Hyman Gate or whatever you. Who? <laughs> Who? Hyman Gate. Hyman Gate. You know, like Watergate. That's his name now? Like Watergate. Oh, Hyman Gate. First of all, I just want to say that Clifford Harris is an ass. Like a whole ass. I don't know if everybody has like heard this little clip or seen this little clip where he talks about the time that his daughter Deja, when she was 16 years old, after her birthday party the next day, he was like, alright, time to go to the Ghana. So he took his daughters to the gynecologist. And proceeded to have her hymen checked to ensure that she was not having sex at the age of 16. And I'm not sure if they've continuously done this because now she's 18. She's 19. She's 18. I mean, 19 now. Do you think, is he still doing it? I don't know. I don't really need to get into her personal details about her vagina. I don't know why he felt that it was okay to talk about his 16-year-old's vagina and like all the information that goes on in their household but I just thought that it was extremely like it was disgusting it was just like as a father first of all you should not be detailing your intimate details about your child like to anybody and then to take it upon yourself to just think that you need to be in in control of her body yet again and it's just like I'm not shocked at all because he's definitely thought that he was in control of Tiny's body and her life. Like, let's not forget how upset he was that Tiny was over here just taking a picture with Floyd Mayweather, but he was literally just slinging his junk all over the place in and out of every other woman. And then also in that little show, the way that he talks to his sons about sex is completely different. He definitely thinks that they need that. I don't want to say that they need to be out there having sex at that young age, but he definitely is like, boys gonna be boys and that's what they gonna do. But on the flip side, when it comes to his daughter, you literally is like forcing her to go to the gynecologist and forcing her to sign over her rights to like let you know the information that the doctor is gonna tell her. Like that is just like, it was just disgusting. And I'm really trying to think about how it was when I was growing up and like when I would go to the gynecologist with my mom. My mom would actually like step out of the room. I think she would step out of the room. And then whenever they would ask the question, like, are you sexually active? Da, 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 I would always be like, no. I mean, I was telling the truth. But it's just like, I never felt like, like I never had a say over my body. And I can only imagine how Deja feels like not having the voice to say, 
like dad this is a bit much I don't want to do this why do you think that this is necessary like what are you trying to like you know prove here I'm sure she does say those and things and then I heard like she, I'm, she probably does and he probably honestly just like doesn't give a flying fuck about any of it and then like I also saw like a lot of other men were like well, shit, I'm going to do the same thing with my daughter, too. Or, like, whenever my uh, daughter decides that she wants to date, I'm going to have a shotgun ready for, like, the man or whatever, like, the dude that she's trying to talk to. And I'm just like, what is up with y'all continuously thinking the child can't, one, police women and then police our bodies? Like, what right do y'all think the child have? Yet again, objectifying us and our parts and dick trying to dictate what we can do with it. I just think that he needs to have services. And I don't, I just, I feel bad for her that she literally had to grow up in that household like that. And that that is her freaking dad. As if it's not enough that your dad is out here cheating and embarrassing your mom and embarrassing y'all family over and over again. And now he wants to open his mouth and say something like this. I don't know what else I need to add. You kind of said everything. Yeah, I thought, um, I just think it's funny how this nigga trying to protect it from niggas like him. Mm-hmm. And he not setting a good example of what... Well, if anything, if she's smart, which I hope she is, then she'll know the type of man to look for and he won't be nothing like him or her fuck day. niggas Oof, like God. him. But all you're going to do is just push her further into one to have sex, and you'll never know. I mean, for all you know, she could not be a virgin now because... Somebody on it was Planned Parenthood on Twitter was explaining to him like you can break your hymen in a number of ways riding a bike playing sports like mm-hmm. it's because your hymen is broken said, it doesn't mean that you know you are um, right. sexually active so and he said that the doctor explained this to him in the clip and he looked over here and he was like listen doc she ain't athletic she ain't riding no horse she ain't riding no bike let's get to this hymen and I'm just like what the fuck is wrong with you like why did you feel that that was necessary. And I guess I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, one day when you do have kids, if you have kids, like, how would you even, like, go about the whole sex thing? Like, do you not care? Like, are you going to prepare them to, like, go in this world and be safe? Or are you just going to be like, don't do it? The preparing them to be safe, because I don't know why it's, I don't want to say it's black people, but I don't know why as adults, we act like we scared to have a sex talk with our kids. I mean... The sooner or the sooner and the more open you are with having that conversation, the better you prepare them for stuff like STDs and safe sex and avoiding pregnancies. Because when you don't fuck around and tell your kids and they wind up pregnant and you looking around confused like, well, why the fuck? Well, how did this happen? Well, sis or, or bro, you didn't talk to them or prepare them for this because you was avoiding it. And I mean... Whether it happens now, when they're in college, or after it, like, they're going to have sex. So it's better to just make sure they know everything they need to so they can make safe, healthy choices than to just avoid it and act like it doesn't exist for them. Or to be like T.I. and be on their ass about it and making sure you check their hymens. And I don't know what you do for little boys, but right. be on their ass about it and making them feel uncomfortable and scared to talk to you at all. Extremely. I'm gonna make sure my kids prepared because my mama gave me to talk. I don't even think that my I don't want to say that my mama didn't prepare me per se, because like my mom was like the abstinence coordinator and stuff because she worked for like the state. So like I would always go to the conferences about abstinence and all this type of stuff. But honestly, my mama just put the fear of God in me. 
And then, like, she, I think she also explained to, like, you got to be emotionally stable or emotionally ready to, like, give, like, you know, to have sex and stuff like that. And I just feel like, you know what? I ain't ready for nothing like that. And I also saw, like, the other girls or, like, the people that I was cool with, like, having sex and stuff. And I was just seeing how I was, like, turning them out, making them crazy. I was like, I ain't got time for nothing like that. And I'll probably do the same thing, like, prepare them to be safe and different things like that. But definitely not anything on this level of just invasion mm-hmm. let them know what consent is yes bad and good and i'm touches. definitely gonna be on the men like on my sons about it too like nah yeah like just because a girl do this don't mean it's this just because she wet don't mean she really wants something right there like calm down but i digress he's just disgusting and i'm not shocked yeah he's a misogynist so what do you expect? Yeah, this is really sad. Mm. And I know he don't give a damn either. Like, I know he don't care. I wonder how different it's going to be with Aries. Because, I mean, with with he would never try that shit. It's going to be the same way. He would never try that shit with Zanique because technically it's not his daughter. So, Tiny would have right. never. And with Deja, that's his first girl. And I'm trying to figure out what her mom had to say about all this shit. So, I don't know. If he lived long enough to see Aries be their age, like. Will his views have changed by then? Will like you know? Will it be the same thing for her? Poor baby, she's so cute, right? Well, I mean, at that point, that's tiny daughter too. So I just wonder how different that's gonna be since she'll actually be able to have some say. I mean, I'm sure she got his ear. Like, why would you do that to Deja? Because you know she treats those kids like they're her own too. But it's like it ain't much she can do because that's not her daughter. Like, Eric, Deja not her daughter. No. His he that ain't oh. that ain't tiny daughter. That's his uh daughter from another relationship. He only yeah. got three kids with tiny and they, they still young. Like all Deja, Damani and Messiah are all older than the kids he has with Tiny. Mm. And those are all from other relationships. So that's not Tiny's daughter. Tiny's daughter is Ani. That's it. And that's not TI's. So Okay, got it. And I think I was confused. It's so many of them. Uh, King, I think that's the one that's having six that he was okay with, and he's like thirteen or fourteen. Right? Like, what the hell, man? Why is this little thirteen-year-old ass? And he probably has six somebody six. older than him, and no. not realizing that that shit is molest is molestation even a word? Yeah. It was molestation, but he think he a man now because he finally got some twat. That's a whole other subject for another day. It's just um, disgusting. All right, let's move on. Going to some other tragic news. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, well, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, um, this CA, Clark Atlanta University student named Alexis Cropper went missing on Halloween. And, you know, people was putting out photos and pictures of her trying to figure out where she was, hoping she was somewhere safe. And it came out last week, unfortunately, that she passed away. They found her body at uh, DeKalb, I think, Park or Decatur Park, one of those. And mm-hmm. um, she was, excuse me, 21, a senior at Clark Atlanta, was about to graduate. Wow. And the story just got crazy and crazy because come to find out her roommate and friend's boyfriend was the one who killed her after she put um, a report out, I think, at the hospital or the police station that he sexually assaulted her. 
Um, and so he was one of the main suspects. And then it got even crazier when mm-hmm. the friend slash roommate and girlfriend was in on it. So mm-hmm. apparently, and was helping them look for her body. Was posting on social media. Yeah, who child? So this, I don't know how true this is. But there's this story that they um, <laughs> had some party at their place and they were all drinking and stuff. And the roommate went to the bathroom and the boyfriend followed her in and closed and locked the door. And the girlfriend came and knocked on the door. And when she, when the boyfriend opened it, his shirt was off and the roommate was looking disheveled. And apparently the roommate does not remember any of this happening. She was just that intoxicated. So obviously consent was not given. And it could be implied that he raped her. We really don't know. But there was definitely something happening there that wasn't consensual. And so she went and reported on it. And in that day, she went missing. And so apparently they got into a physical altercation, the roommate and the friend. And the boyfriend ended up getting into it and choking her. And then the roommate got in and put a bag over her head and basically suffocated her. So I'm assuming that she died from asphyxiation, ultimately. And they put her body in the trunk, dumped her body, and she's been missing ever since. She has been missing ever since. And it's just, it's like, you really can't trust nobody these days. You think you got friends, but you really don't. And now one girl is dead right before Thanksgiving and Christmas, right before she was about to graduate. Another girl, she didn't throw her life away life over, over a over nigga. Dude. And this nigga, he wasn't no good no way because there's other charges they got against him out uh, outside of that murder charge. So I just know I hope they go to jail for fucking life because that's fucked up. It's really fucked up. And it's scary because people wonder why women are afraid to come out and talk about sexual assault and stuff that mm-hmm. happened to them because it can lead to incidents like this. Like, Obviously, he knew he had did some shit wrong if he would go out of his way to kill the girl. If if they fighting, you supposed to be breaking it up, not going up and choking somebody. It's, it's just, just so sad. it's like you just, it's like you just never know. And I remember her dad was saying like he wasn't leaving Atlanta because I think she was from Athens, Georgia, until mm. he got his daughter back, and it's like. Now he leaving with her in a damn body bag. So Damn. it's just sad because she was a really pretty girl and it was, it just sucked. And I was really hoping that it turned out, you know, differently. And the fact that it was people so close to her and that the bitch was on here posting, you know, flyers of her room, friend and roommate missing, knowing she knew where the fuck she was the entire time. This shit is sick, bro. It's really fucking sick and it's really yes. sad. She did and not deserve it. She did. Rest in peace to Alexis Crawford. Yeah. For real. It's just extremely sad. All those lives destroyed over nothing. Over a guy. Over a guy. Right. And we would never really know what happened in the bathroom with his physical altercation. You can't do nothing, bro. You can't even be in your own home. Nobody you can't even to like, die. be in your own space. It is so sad. But yes, rest in peace. Nobody deserves to die, regardless. But yeah, rest in peace to her. Um, real quick with Popeyes, like y'all like been doing a lot from that man being stabbed in Maryland um, to um, I seen some meme or photo of like some Popeyes location 
was making the sandwiches on top of a trash can. What? Yes. Like they had the tray on top of an open trash can and they were oh making God. the sandwiches on top of it. They were doing something with the sandwiches. To I saw another Popeye's video where this white woman was calling them niggers oh and God. they literally took her outside and slammed her on the ground. A dude. And I think he's facing felony charges. To yesterday, these two white, and it's not just black people. These two white people Two white women in the drive-thru line got out their cars and started fighting each other. The husband got involved and started hitting one of the women to get them off his wife. What? And another man came in trying to break it up. And it was funny because the black women in the car was like making some funny ass commentary about it. <coughs> but like, y'all are doing a lot over fucking chicken sandwiches. Right. I don't know what Popeyes is putting these sandwiches is making y'all go crazy like this. And we got to stop painting this narrative that it's just black folks out here wilding because those were white people I saw fighting in the drive-thru line, holding the line up over fucking chicken sandwiches. I saw a picture today where Popeye's hit like a like a window. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it's open, it's the counter, then you can see the back, you can reach your hand back there. Now, they had like a glass up to where like you had to talk through like a little microphone to order your food. Yeah, I know some locations do have that. I mean, I've seen something like that in New York where they have locations like that. And I thought that just depended on where oh you God. were located. But I don't think it has anything to do with, like, these, these chicken sandwiches. Because when I saw that, that was before the sandwiches came out. But I just oh, think okay. y'all doing a lot over sandwiches. Like, I haven't had any issues. The first day I got the sandwich, I went in and I came out five minutes later. The second time I had it, I did the drive through and it still was no issues. Like, I haven't had the experience of waiting a long time or niggas fighting like my Popeyes give me my food and I go and I haven't had any issues and we gotta stop thinking that it's Popeyes fault it's not Popeyes fault they just serving y'all food it's these niggas and these honkies out here getting out here wilding out over a fucking chicken sandwich it is not that fucking deep them sandwiches are not all lit to be fighting in the drive through to be calling the workers at their name they already stressed the fuck out and tired Y'all up here smashing y'all deep. cars into other people's cars in the drive-thru. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. I'm I was like, like, what is wrong with y'all? Is it y'all act like the sandwich is going out of style. Like, I mean, they're they going to be around permanently now. But the way y'all acting, they might take them hoes away because it, it is not this deep. Y'all should be getting ready for Thanksgiving. Turkey is among uh, is approaching real soon. Turkey Day. That's what the fuck I care about. I don't give a fuck about these chicken sandwiches no more. I had my two and I am satisfied. I'm ready for that greens, beans, potatoes, lamb, ham, hog, mom, greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes, fried turkey. Just a you name it, greens, beans, potatoes, That's what I'm ready for. I don't give a fuck about these chicken sandwiches. So I just, I really want y'all to calm down because it's really not that deep. They're good sandwiches. But it is not that fucking deep. And I don't understand what is in them. Because y'all never do this shit at Chick-fil-A. Y'all get in there, have you hoes waiting them long ass lines and be stretching out to the street. With Chick-fil-A? Yes. And you might be yep. mad about the wait, but the customer service be so damn good that it's like and shit. And they always give you a gift card or something because you was waiting so long. And it's like, Popeyes ain't never really had this much traffic for anything. I don't even think the five dollar box had niggas fighting the way this has. So it's just like they overwhelmed and they're not getting paid that much for this shit. The people at Chick Fil A probably getting paid 
way more getting benefits and everything. Them people at Chick-fil-A ain't getting half as much as they getting it at Chick-fil-A. So calm down. It's just a fucking chicken it sandwich. Worth it. It's really not. Um what, oh Summer Walker. Let's talk about your girl real quick. <sighs> summer. Oh summer. What you, you know, wanna talk about? So she's been a lot. She's been know, going through a lot in these past weeks. We've been talking about we talked about, you know, maybe an episode or two ago about, you know, people going coming down on her by stage prisons and how she has social anxiety. But you know, a lot of people now for the tour have been complaining about how bored she seems on stage. Um, mm-hmm. And now with these meet and greet packages, like, they've been talking about their experience of how, like, she doesn't hug you and she sits, you know, away from you. And one girl was saying how, like, she basically idolizes, you know, Summer Walker and she was really disappointed okay. when they it's met. A bit much. Well, whatever. She idolizes her and she was really disappointed when they met because, you know... Summer didn't want to hug her. Summer sat like uh, away from her, and even the picture. Summer didn't really seem like she wanted to be there or take the picture. And the fan was smiling. She was basically saying like, "You lost the fan," and she was just disappointed. And a lot of other people have been talking about similar uh-huh. experiences. And so Summer went from saying like, "You know, I'm an empath, and like I feel people's energy, so that's why I don't want hugs. I don't want this and that." To okay, now. I'm canceling the rest of my tour. I'm gonna finish out a few of these dates, but that's it. And yeah, in the past couple it. of weeks, she's been doing a lot of rants about how this industry too real for this industry, and she's not with the fake shit and stuff like that. And sometimes I get confused by Summer because as much as she talks about having social anxiety, like in other situations, she don't seem to be that awkward or nervous. And I'm really talking about when she did the interview with Ari because she seemed to be yeah she was fine comfortable and you know well I guess it depends well I don't know I mean you just said it was, seems like she's comfortable I but like for somebody she never really entered I don't it seemed like that was their first time really interacting with each other and for somebody who you were telling me she gets on planes with people that she knows and she don't really talk to them like that and that family members they're gathering she don't talk to like that. And saying she don't have friends, like, when she got around Ari, it just seemed like she opened up like a damn social butterfly. Like, it just seemed natural to her. And so, you know, I understand and empathize with her social anxiety, but I also feel like if you're an empath and you don't want people to touch you, do not charge people $165 for meet and greets if you're not going to give them the experience that they paid for. Because it's fucked up when people spend all this money to come meet you and they can't get a hug, a smile, you don't want to touch them, you want to sit a couple of feet apart because you're an empath all of a sudden on top of being a, somebody with social anxiety and you don't want to touch because you can feel people's energy. It's like, okay, well, Summer, why you got meet and greets? Yeah, I don't know you why know? her team thought that. Honestly, you know what I probably think? And she need a publicist. just be wrong. She need a fucking publicist. I could, yeah, I could definitely be wrong, but I feel like her team was like, you know, this is what other artists do. This will help us make more money on the tour or whatever. Let's just try it out and see where it goes. And she, I'm pretty sure that girl was probably like, all right, I'm telling y'all, I ain't got time for this shit. It ain't gonna be what y'all think it's gonna be. And then I also just feel like, how I told you that like sometimes I feel like I can be socially awkward, yeah. but if you was just to look at me and you'd be like, nah, Disney, there's no way that you're like, you know, you could be socially awkward. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit there and say like, now all of a sudden you got all these social anxiety and social issues and different things like that. Because like, I can definitely like, 
be in a space with somebody and be uncomfortable. But I can also gravitate on somebody vibing their energy and I feel like comfortable, then I'm going to be comfortable with it. But um, I just feel like Summer Walker is the type that wants to just do the music part without the other baggage that comes with it. Unfortunately, that's just what it is now, that if you are like a musician and, you know, you are good at what you're doing, the celebrity part is going to come with it. The fame is going to come with it. Um, people feeling obligated that, like, you know, you owe them certain things or, like, how that girl said that she idolized her. That was, a like, when I said that that was a bit much, to me, that's just a bit much, like, wow, sis, why are you idolizing her? I mean, I just way? think and she's just a like, big fan and she relates to the music. Like, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, and people feeling obligated, but it's like, sis, if you putting it out there that I get the opportunity to meet you. Yeah. And that's like, what I'm saying. Like at that point, like no, it shouldn't be tied to it. Obligated to, if you charge me almost two hundred dollars to meet you, you kind of are obligated at that point to give me the experience that I'm paying for. If, well, if they only it don't say in the, but it don't say in the, it, it, it say in the meet and greet. It don't say in the meet and greet that the girl gotta like hug y'all like. Talk well, what y'all is the do point? Is she not exactly? It's like, what but my whole point? thing is, what else do y'all want out of a meet and greet? That's what I'm asking. I mean, what do you want out a of meet it? When you go greet. to a meet and greet, what? Okay, let's just say you went to when a meet I when and I went inside Big, Big Creek and the meet and <laughs> yes. greet. Big Creek so gave what? me a hug. We mm-hmm. talked for a little bit. You know, he was out, and he I was in the front row because I had early ex early entry into the concert because of my VIP pass. But mm-hmm. I told him where I was from and stuff, and he was really like happy to know that I was always from Mississippi, and I made it all the way up here to the point that he wanted me to go talk to the dude who was doing his uh documentary or doing all the recordings and and background uh behind the scenes stuff for his show because I was from Mississippi and I made it that far, and like you get a hug and a picture and some interaction and actual genuine humbleness and thankfulness that you came out and spent your money. I understand that in the greet, meet and greet, it don't say, oh, you got to give you a hug and all this stuff. But why are you charging people $165 and you're not going to even interact with them? All that's what I'm saying. And, and like, that, that's not fair. That I think part, it's, yeah. A, a meet that part and is greet not fair. Is at the most, like, if you don't want to give them a hug, give them a handshake, smile. Like, she didn't want to do shit. And she didn't look like she wanted to be there. In the picture, she looked awkward as fuck. Like, eh, I guess I'll take this picture. Like, it just, it's like, even if your management wants you to do some shit like that, I would have been like, I, I just, it's not in me. Like, I'm an empath. I have social anxiety. I'm well, not a people know. person. I they don't think I should do listen. this. I mean, I don't, I don't understand tours. why you couldn't just tell them no. At that, at that point, and your team should we know you. Know. Your team should know you by, by, now that I don't even know why they would make you do some shit like that or why you can just be like, no, I don't want to do it. Because, I mean, I haven't seen any of these clips that they say she looked bored in. But, I mean, from what I saw on NPR before I knew she had social anxiety, I thought she looked like she didn't want to be there. So, yeah, I don't like know the interview type of I told y'all saw she looked like mad, like, and but it also could be like, what if her record label was like, you are obligated to do this. We don't care if you're saying no that you don't want to do a meet and greet. Your ass going to do a meet and greet. Because a lot of times people do sign these deals and stuff and, like, have them doing stuff that they don't even want to do half the time. Well, it's making like, I'm not bad. saying that it's, yeah, and I'm not saying that it's okay, but I'm definitely sure that they have took this as a learning because now she's canceled some of her shows. All this backlash about the meet and greets and how, like, she doesn't look like she's really into performing all that type of stuff. 
They should have took heed to probably what that girl was trying to tell them from the beginning. Summer Walker, they fucking it's it unfortunate. Up. It's yeah, it's unfortunate because she finna lose fans. Summer Walker is not that damn big to have to be able to do all the stuff that she's been able to do with this. I'm an empath because it it honestly reminded me of how Lauren Hill be sometimes, where she be mm. like, I can't go on stage until like my spirituality and my energy is straight, and you ain't coming to the show until like two hours later. And you only do a six minute set, and it's like, what the <laughs> fuck? People been sitting here waiting on you and pay all this money, and you giving them this half ass rich performance. It's like people had a mentality where, like, well, you ain't even that big to be having this type of air or attitude or to be doing stuff like this. And then you charging people all this money, but you you're not giving them the experience that people paying for. And for one hundred sixty five dollars, you could hug me, you could give me some conversation, you could act like you want to take a picture with me. You know, if you don't want to hook, that's cool because I know everybody don't do shit like that. But you can act like you want to be there. Like, so yeah. I just kind of feel like her team fucked up and this probably will be her first and last tour. And I don't really know how she's going to recover from this because a lot of people see this shit and they just see excuses. They don't see that she legit does have social anxiety and or that, that she may be suffering with mental health issues and all that. They type don't of stuff. care. All they see is her continuously making up excuses and going on rants and acting silly with her man on Instagram and posting it. But then in another saying, well, when I get on stage, it's, it's a totally different thing. Like my energy just ain't there. And I, I, I'm nervous and I don't, I don't like being in front of crowds. Like it is confusing at times. Cause she posted a video today of her, like it was some little silly video of like her saying like this, how strippers be in the club and she was being silly and goofy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I wish you had that same energy on stage. Well, that was in the own comfort of her home. But she posted it, which is interesting. I don't know, man. I hope whatever the issue is, I hope that she works it out. I hope hope that she didn't kill her career. If she did, I mean, it was good while it lasted. I enjoyed her album. I thought it was good. I'm but sure she'll I still just, post music. Somebody gonna buy this shit. I just hope that maybe she just needs to be the person that don't go on tour and she just sings songs and she release mm. songs. But I don't know but how music, they do that. But everybody's music, like, you have to go on tour. That's music don't make that much money. Yeah, yeah because touring is, tour. is where... Yeah, like music don't make that much money. Streaming is not getting people that much money. So you make a lot of money on tour. And I mean, now she canceling shows. So I just wonder how she gonna pay that money back to all of them venues and, and people who didn't did all the lights and this, this, that, and the third. Yeah, and fans gonna get their money money back, which is a good thing. But I'm just like, yeah, something. Like, you need a publicist. Because you don't always need to constantly be getting on here writing long-ass essays on Instagram. You know, about what's going on. And, like, why you don't want to do this and do that. Because sometimes it can look like it's an excuse. Like, the, yeah. empathy, the empathy thing just took me way off. I was like, okay, what? Hey. I'm confused, but okay, sis. I hope she pulls it together. Uh, Her team, like, I don't know, does better by her, supports her better. I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah. Um, What was the last topic? That was it. Oh, that was it? Yeah. Okay, we got through that pretty fast. Um, Okay. So this concludes our homegrown, not homegrown, what's it called? (laughs) This concludes our topic segment. And now we're moving into Welcome to Adulthood. I don't think I really have one. I think mine was just about how much I hate killing insects. What, in the house? Yes. I'm Mm. always yelling for, like, somebody else to do it because I fucking hate roaches. 
I'm not that afraid of spiders, but if it's like a big spider, I'm not fucking with that shit. But I fucking hate roaches, so if I see one, I'm just like, please let somebody be in the house if it's gonna be in here, because I don't want to kill this shit. And it was easier when I was a kid. So, that's my welcome to adulthood. I hate killing insects as a grown-ass woman, and I Mm. want somebody else to do it. This is why I need a nigga. He can do it for me. I'm weak. Um, I guess my adulthood is going back to corporate America. So yesterday I had to politely and professionally get one of my coworkers together. Um, we was talking about how somebody said that they want to be a manager. And I was like, well, I mean, if she want to do it, she needs to go do it. I mean, she was like a whole, you know, director before now, before she got to this job. So I don't like it's to me, it's not far fetched. And then my coworker was just like, yeah, it just seems like all of her ideas and stuff are lofty. Like they don't seem realistic and all this type of stuff. And I was like, you know what? If we actually gave people the opportunity like of time and like space to like come up with these ideas and then pursue them and like actually like do them, they wouldn't be considered so lofty. It would just be a, a goal that was attained. And then they came, she came back and was like, Mm, I guess you can say that, but it's all like, you know, people creating those opportunities and spaces for themselves. As soon as she said that to me over Skype, I was like, you know what? I got to get you all together because literally like, I honestly think that white privilege and that entitlement, they literally think that like everything can just be handed to them because they created something for themselves. Like, they literally think that. Like, they don't understand that that whole statement of, well, if you would just advocate and, you know, create opportunities for yourself, it'll come to you. Newsflash, that shit don't apply to minorities a lot of the time in corporate America. Yes, sometimes it does, but nine times out of ten, nah, it ain't happening like that. And, like, I was trying to explain it to her. I was like, I've done everything that I need to do. And then she was like, well, did you talk to HR? And I was like, listen, I don't need to explain everything that I didn't went through, but trust and believe that I've advocated for myself. I created lanes for myself. I've had doors closed on my face just for me to step to the side and build another door. And out of nowhere, a bulldozer comes and knock that door that I built up myself down. So I like, don't tell me nothing about like, these are the opportunities that you create in this, that, and the third, like, cause it's not like possible. And I think that's why I'm struggling with adulthood because the whole time that we have been brought up through, like, you know, our childhood and stuff, like, yes, I knew it was never going to be easy for me, especially me being black and especially me being a woman. But we were always told, like, you know, if you just put your mind to it, you can do anything. You know, just go hard. Make sure you show grit. You got to work three times harder, all that type of stuff. But when you really, like, in the nitty gritty of it all and you're really, like, trying to do that and you're trying to do everything how they say do it. You advocate for yourself. You set up one-on-ones with your boss. You talk to your boss's boss. You network with this person in this department. You talk to this other person. You talk to HR at least once a month and nothing has happened. Okay, no, there's no way that anybody else can ever tell me, you know, if you can just create these opportunities and advocate for yourself, you know, you have a better outcome. Like, no, shut the fuck up. And that's why I'm upset with adulthood right now. And that's why I'm kind of over it because like, Yet again, this is just another instance where, like, I don't have equity in my job. Yes, y'all like to say that this is equality because everybody can create their own spaces and lanes. But the equity part is making sure that 
each person has the tools that they need to survive in the environment that they need to grow and be successful. And that's my welcome to adulthood. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break and then come back with the rest of the show. So you know we think about topics like basketball wives and Donald Trump, but you don't know what we're listening to. Every few weeks, Daya and I will be releasing the DNA playlist, a culmination of 10 songs that reflect our music taste and act as an extension of our personalities. Coming out this week is Volume 5, with sounds from Megan Thee Stallion, Summer Walker, and Janae Aiko. Here's a sneak peek. Can I Kick It, J. Cole Remix by A Tribe Called Quest. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Can I kick it? You can access the playlist on our Spotify page in addition to previous volumes. Now, let's get back to the show. I don't know who told y'all we don't wear shoes down here, but we fucking do. You see my feet? There ain't a bunion on these toes. You know why? Because we wear shoes. Yes, we have dirt roads. And sometimes we do walk around barefoot in the country. But we wear shoes every day when it's cold. We wear sandals when it's hot. We might put on a little heel if we're going somewhere fancy. But by no means do we walk around every fucking day with no shoes on, with no socks on. Just like you motherfuckers stomp around New York with y'all Tim's on, we walk around in shoes down here. So the next time somebody from Mississippi come up there and the first thing you want to say is, y'all wear shoes down there? Don't fucking try it. Because we fucking do. If you look down and see that they got shoes on their feet, obviously we fucking do. So stop asking dumbass questions, okay? Thank you. So this is our homegrown segment where we talk about everything, events, news, food, Dumb shit in Mississippi. <laughs> um, I got two, and I know you got one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to go first. You can go first. So the election was last week, <laughs> and you know I went and voted. It was good to see a lot of people come out and vote. At least at the voting poll I went to, because when me and my mom got there, because we go to the one right up the street from the house at this church, the line was outside of the church's gym doors and I saw a lot of people a lot of melanated people out voting um so it was good to see people actually you know use their rights and voice and get out here and vote um we were voting for a new governor um for a new public service commissioner all those positions that really make a difference if we could get the right people in the office Mm-hmm. And Tate Reeves was on the ballot for governor, and he's a Republican. <laughs> he's a piece of shit. He has Donald Trump's support. Donald Trump came down here maybe a week or two ago in one of these damn cities in Mississippi advocating for him. So, of course, we didn't want him to win. And he was also lieutenant governor, so he would, he would be in a higher position of power if he was elected governor. Mm-hmm. Jim Hood was his opponent, Democrat. Don't know if he was much better or worse, but I was at the point where I was just kind of like, you know what, Tate Reeves, we don't, we don't need another Republican in the, in this position, especially when Phil Bryant, who's a fucking descendant 
of one of the murderers of Emmett Till. We don't what? fucking need. You didn't know that? No. One of the men that killed Emmett Till is related to Phil Bryant. I don't know if that's his what? uncle or cousin, but they are related. Yes. So we didn't need another one of those. As that's the fucking governor of Mississippi. Well, the whole all Republicans won on Tuesday. All of them. All of them. Tate Reeves is the governor. All the major categories, the major political like positions, all Republican now. Not one Democrat won. Wow. So once again, Mississippi is perpetuating this fuck-ass cycle of electing the Republicans. Now, Republicans have all this power in Mississippi, and I'm really scared for what's about to happen next for this state. I don't want to be here for any of that shit to impact me or my kids. I don't want my mama to be here for what impact it's going to have, maybe on her or my other family members, but I'm scared as fuck. I'm scared like shit. Not one Democrat won. Not Nan. Not Nathan. That's crazy. And it's like, this is why we can't progress in this fucking state. Because the same motherfuckers always winning with these same old ass ideas and these disgusting ass values. I'm just scared for what's about to happen next. So y'all just pray for Mississippi. Just pray for us, please. We need it. Um, on to some better news. So I covered this event on Friday called the, the Fourth Quarter Exchange. Um, it's the brainchild of this rap artist named Dollar Black. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it gives artists in Mississippi. And I mean, it's open to artists from other states, too. But mostly, mainly, it's a platform for local Mississippi artists to come and, you know, share their artwork rapping singing wise with you know the people of Jackson and in return in exchange for performing you know they get the interaction from the crowd they probably gain some new fans you know maybe interact with other artists in the audience Um, this started this year he started this in February and it happens every quarter of the year so this was the fourth one and it's the last one for the year and it was all females headlining this exchange. Hmm. There were four rappers and one singer. Jules was performing. Go that was Jules. my first time seeing her li- perform live. And, like, she was fucking amazing. Like, her stage presence was, like, on 10. And I, like, interviewed her afterwards. And I was like, where does this confidence and this, like, energy come from? And she was like, I don't know. Like, just sometimes, like, I just get up there and it's just like a switch. She just flips. And, like, she was rapping her ass off. And, like, the energy was on 10. Like, motherfuckers was in there knew they they knew her words. Like, they were hyped. She was dancing and interacting. It was just, it was a good time. You know, Vitamin C got up there and rapped her motherfucking ass off. I was like, damn, this bitch. I told her, I was like, damn, this bitch can really rap. That's what I was sticking in my head when he was performing. Like, she was going in. She reminded me of Chance and J.I.D. I don't know if you heard of J.I.D. He's with Dreamville. Hmm. I'm going to take that as a no. You don't know who that is. Um, but you know who Chance the Rapper is. Yeah. Um, there was another rapper named Remedy. She reminded me of Trina and Megan. 
Um, there was a, a rapper who was performing for the first time named Unknown. Um, and I could tell she was nervous at first, but the more she performed, I could tell her energy started to change. She really started getting into it and her confidence started building. And then there was one singer um, called Gentry Rogers. Um, and she gave me a little Summer Walker vibes. Um, her aesthetic gave me Doja Cat. I wish you could have seen the boots she had on. Oh, man. The platform boots she had on. Them shits was so fucking cute and so different. I was like, man, if Destiny could see these, she would love these shits. But yeah, she gave me a little Summer Walker vibe. So, you know, it was just a great show. It was good to see people come out from Jackson and show their support. It was it was good to see the energy in the room and how people interacted with the with the artists and how the artists interacted with, you know, the um the audience. Um they held it at offbeat. I don't know if you heard of offbeat in Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's like a music store, but they also sell like comic books and like other you know, like toys. I think it's some anime stuff in there and clothes and all that. And it's black owned. It's off Wesley Avenue. Um, it was held there and, you know, they turned the lights off. There really wasn't like official stage. The the crowd just kind of crowded around the artists and we were kind of like, we just kind of made a stage. But it was just a great event and it was good to see somebody really create an avenue for these artists to come and perform and grow their audience. And, you know, Jackson can seem like there's not a lot going on, but the art scene here is really popping. You know, like there's a really nice art scene here and it's just good to see somebody making opportunities for those who don't or, you know, maybe can't necessarily go a state over or two states over in like Atlanta or New Orleans to, you know, get popping. And a lot of stuff, it starts at home. Your foundation starts at home. And, you know, with the change in the music industry and stuff, like, we got to find different business models of how we're going to get put on or promote our artists who can't necessarily move at the drop of a hat, like say maybe Big Crit or David Banners. You know, this is the first year he's done it and he's going to continue next year. Um, a shout out to Dollar Black for, you know, giving me the opportunity to come and cover the event. Um, he's real cool and I just can't wait to see what happens next year. And I guess if you ever at home and it the event is is happening, then we'll go. So cool. you can kind of see what it's like. But yeah, it was just really dope. And I was glad that it was all, it was like female headline, black females headlining this event. Especially with this new wave of like hip hop, where you got the Megans, the Tierras, the Dodgers, the Cardis, the Nickies, the, the um, Rhapsodies. It was just good to see. So. Shout out to Dollar Black in the exchange. Here for it. Well, mine is short, shorter. Um, but one day I just so happened to be uh, on Instagram. And I saw that the J Sits had like a little commercial type thing with Mac Cosmetics. And if you don't know who the J Sits are, the J Sits are um, the majorettes of the Jackson State University football team um always killing like ever since i was little they all could dance forever could dance i knew some j sets uh i don't know they just it was always killing it and it was just cool to see that like you know they had got i guess the right people attention 
uh, to be like featured in like a marketing campaign for MAC Cosmetics because MAC is like huge in its own way mm-hmm. and it's all right. And the J sets are so huge in their own right. And just to see them come together to create something like that, I thought it was pretty, pretty dope. Especially as like a college student and like, you know, being recognized for like what you do and the dancing and everything like that. I just thought it was a really big deal. So shout out to the home team. Shout out to Jackson State. My mom is a proud alum of Jackson State. Did your mom go to Jackson State or no? No, my mom didn't go to a four-year college. She went to okay. a two-year college in Macomb. So, no. but yeah, I know my mom went there. I've gone to like football games, other types of stuff. So yeah, it was good to see it. But that was pretty much it. I wonder how they connected because normally no you see the same HBCUs like Grambling gets a lot of nice opportunities and Bethune-Cookman, but it's like I was completely taken off, off by surprise by it because I was like I just never expected the J says to have a deal with Mac and Mac is a big deal. Like you know how many people got partnerships with Mac? Mm-hmm. Like they're working on the Aaliyah line now, or maybe it came out. They had a Selena line. They partnered with Nicki Minaj. A whole bunch of different people. Man, I think Rihanna had one, didn't she? Yeah, she has a lipstick with them. So yeah. I'm just like, that is a very big deal. And it's good to see other HBCUs outside of the same ones get opportunities. Um, I think that was smart. <laughs> and I just wonder how that happened, how that deal happened. Uh, it reminded me of that time that Vogue came to uh, Spelman and, like, talked to the AKAs on campus. I don't know what it was for, why they picked Spelman out of all the schools, but they definitely came on campus and talked to them. So yeah, give it up for Jackson State and the Prince and J Six in Mississippi. Um, so this is our last segment, which is TV, movies, music. For music, I really just want to shout out the Free Nationals. They got a new song out called Sh- I think it's called Shibuya, featuring mm-hmm. Sia from the Internet. That is my mother, fucking song. I have been listening to that song every fucking day because it's so good. It's so fucking good. And they picked the right person to sing it because Sia's voice is just perfect for their track. And it made me go and listen to some of their other tracks. And they they have some really nice songs. Like some really nice songs. So I'm a, whenever they come out with this album, I'm gonna buy it, listen to it, see who else they have featured on it and like what else is out there? Because the stuff I heard so far, I love that shit. But that is my fucking song. Um, you have anything music wise, TV? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm trying to think. What have I been watching on TV? I don't think I really have anything. Power, Missy's finale, didn't like it. Oh, you actually finished it and watched it? Yes, I did not like the Missy's finale. Okay. You don't think he's dead, do you? You said what? Do you think he's dead? I don't fucking know. I don't give a fuck. Are you over? Dead. Are you gonna keep watching the fuck show? Fuck ghosts. I'm so sick of him. Like, I, it was a lot of stuff happening. And first of all, why the fuck was Cedric the Entertainer? I have no a fucking hit person. Was that real, bro? Was that real? Yes, that was Cedric the Entertainer. His name was in the credits at the end. I was like, why the fuck was he a random dead person? Like a hitter, and like, and then like, who were these people? For? Like, it was just, I was so much happening. It's like, Ghost 
kept repeating the same line. No one is it was it no one can stop me. Another can get in my way. I was like, how many fucking times he gonna say this shit to every person that he get into it with? Every person, and it's like the confidence and the cockiness in him just jumped out out of nowhere. Right. And he was just going in on everybody. The way he was coming at Tate, the way he was calling Andre a bitch. What really kills me is the way he talks to Tasha. Like, it just irks me so much. It's like he looks at her and treats her like she's a fucking dirty ass dog on the street. When he was at Raina Graveside and he turned around and she was there with some flowers, he gonna fucking ask her, what you doing here? Bitch, that's that is her fucking daughter too. What the fuck you mean what she doing here? And then to say some shit like, I release you. I was like, what the fuck right. is wrong with you? Like, really, what him, is bro. wrong with you? Like, you kill all her fucking boyfriends and you want to say some and keep her in this fucking marriage because you need her. Whenever you need her, you come running back like the bitch that you are. But then any other time, it's fuck Tasha and it's all about Angela and you don't want her ass, but you come running every time you need her for some shit because you know she get the job done and she loyal as fuck. And now she don't give a fuck, especially after you call and like tip the fucking cops off about her daycare uh operation. I'm like, that was such a bitch ass move. That was such a bitch. That was just such a bitch move from him. And then like again when they got into it at his apartment, at the apartment, I was just like, if that bitch is dead, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't give I don't know who shot him. I thought that shit at the end was corny as fuck, showing everybody like walking. Um, the music at the end, having somebody else sing that. I'm like, please, 50 Cent, stop getting people to yes. sing this fucking thing. Stop. <laughs> we don't want just any make it stop except for the make Joe version. Stop. All you had to do was just play some sad music. I don't need nobody to come in and sing this shit. Even the way he fell, like it looked fake as fuck. Like I was just like, I don't. And then they could have just kept with the Big Chris song. Like that song was perfect for this scene. Shout out to Big Crit, a Mississippi yeah. native, for them using his music on the episode. But I'm just like, this episode was just mad corny and just, it was a lot of stuff happening. And it's like, how are y'all going to top all this shit in like five episodes? It's like, what was this? What, what the, and like him and Ramona, I'm like, finally, you have a fucking hallucination about Raina. Right. I mean, he was like, why did answer just keep popping up? Exactly. You didn't even think about your own daughter like this. Like, I just fuck ghosts. If that bitch is dead, good riddance. I don't give a fuck. Okay. I don't need ghosts to die. I like man. Ghosts. Fuck that nigga. Fuck him. I'm so sick of yeah. how he be. T- I don't give a fuck. Fuck that nigga. I think he did all this shit on purpose so it could look like all of them was trying to go kill him, but he not how? dead. What? Why would? But why would he? How would he know? Okay, I'm see now you confusing the fuck out of me. Why would he? How am I confusing you? You said he did all. I that think on he purpose. purposely. I think he purposely was just pissing people off even more. Talking about something, I release you now. Telling Dre that he was a bitch and ain't gonna do shit. Pissing off Tariq. Uh, pissing off Tommy. Like all these people. <laughs> pissing off Tate. I mean, the way that he just kept telling Tate, I was like, are you really, like, why are you going so hard in on him? Yes, he's trying to tell you something. Yeah, it was like, he was trying to create, like, this tension or, like, this hate that everybody had against him. Because you saw all of them was headed to the club to shoot Yeah, but he didn't know that. He did, it's not like, I, think I mean, he, the way you saying he knew, it, bro. the way you saying it, you making it seem like he set this shit up so that I if somebody, this shit up. like, he knew he was going to get shot. 
So he finna mm-hmm. piss everybody. That's he is not no fucking. No, 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 no. Not that I knew he was gonna get shot by one of them. I think that he had somebody shoot him in his club. I guess in the spot but where why? they knew he wasn't gonna die. But to set everybody else up to get everybody else off his back because when you look at it, even if Ghost wanted to go legit. He had too many loose ends that was trying to pull him back under. Tommy, Tasha, Tariq, who else? The detective coming. He don't know, but he don't know about the detectives and the case they have on him as far as killing Terry Silver. That's that's the only thing they really got on him. And even with that, they started pulling shit out their ass and setting him up Mm -hmm. to get that narrative. They really don't have no definitive proof of anything else outside of the Terry Silver thing that, that Tasha just happened Bro. to flip him, and then when she told them the location of his body, which she knew the details and the location to a fucking T, which is weird as fuck, then that's the only thing they have on him. So I'm like, it doesn't, that doesn't really. Okay, make explain sense. this to me then. Explain this to me then. Who the hell was in prison? He called Tummy Boys up, right? Mm-hmm. And said, I need y'all to do something for me. What, okay, what happened with that? We don't fucking know. That's the point. This, this, That's this what I'm thinking. I think listen, I think that, I think that Ghost I think that Ghost is literally 10 steps ahead of everybody else and that this was all part of a plan. No, I and just that think that he's trying to tie up all these loose ends because he's going to be a, a public figure now. But I don't think he paid anybody to shoot him. It doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like he's going to get okay, the shot. Then how is he trying to Okay, but how was he trying to tie up all these loose ends then, Aaliyah? How did he tie them all up? Because we never we saw him tie no, up No, that's the, the thing. Ends. We don't know. This is this is what I'm saying. They opened up a whole bunch of new plot lines that I'm trying to figure out how they're going to close up in five episodes next year. My thing was, he's just trying to tie up all these loose ends for uh, his run as lieutenant governor, which he thinks, for some reason, he kept talking as if he already got the damn position right like, like, like telling Tariq one. like telling Tariq like if you turn yourself in when I get when I'm the governor lieutenant governor then I find a way like nigga no it don't work like that and you ain't even got the seat yet and you don't know that they got a case pinned against you another murder case pinned against you a case that you a, a murder that you actually committed but that they really don't have no definitive proof that you did but they just pulling shit out and getting people to like lie for them like you ain't finna make it to office you're not making this to office. And if he did set this shit up, whack. If this shit is a dream, whack. I'm overpowered. Just just give us the five episodes. I'm over it. Fuck this mid-season finale. Nothing made any sense. And it's still shit from early in the season that we still don't have any answers to. Like that Effie girl. Who the fuck was she texting? When she was like, yes. the competition. That girl that Tariq <coughs> oh, was yeah. dating. Y'all got a whole well, bunch of shit. We know that's for the new plot. Okay, but they literally have not went back to that. The dude that, that Dre shot, they haven't brought him up once. They just brushed over him like this nigga wasn't, didn't get his brains blasted out. That's what I'm saying. Nothing is making sense. Nothing is, is coming. And then the nigga that's interested in Tasha, that nigga been gone for half the season and he just magically pop up in episode nine. Pop back up. Man, fuck this show right now, bro. This some Game of Thrones shit. I don't just give us damn. the five episodes. They throwing this, they throwing away the plot. Fuck this damn show. I don't know what they can do to redeem themselves, but I just don't give a fuck any damn more. I got so much other shit I gotta watch this man. I need to catch up on this is us Watchmen, All American. I got a lot of stuff I gotta catch up on. Yeah, fuck this show. So this is all right. 
You guys can follow us on Twitter at fish underscore underscore grits. No Instagram, no website yet, but it's coming soon. All right, fam. All right, bye, y'all.